0: We're standing here at the corner of Wall Street and Main Street talking about the stories that impact the business world and everyday life. As of yesterday, June 13th, happens to be my birthday, the S&P 500 has just entered bear market territory down 20% from its peak. Surging energy prices lead the charge as inflation readings reach historic levels with the consumer price index coming in at 8.6% for the month of May and the producer price index over 10% in a reading this morning. The Fed is committed to fighting inflation with a one-two punch of quantitative tightening and raising the federal funds rate. The market is now pricing in three-quarters of a point rate hike at the next Fed policy meeting on Wednesday, June 15th. Some say Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is behind the curve and will need to act decisively to get in front of surging inflation. In Monday's sell-off, 495 stocks in the S&P 500 closed lower, and the yield curve inverted, meaning the yield on longer-term rates was lower than short-term rates. This typically signals a recession. To help us understand all of this wonderful news and what it means for both Wall Street and Main Street, I'm joined by Sam Stovall, chief investment strategist with CFRA Research. Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy
1: to be here, Doug.
0: Sam, this all happened so fast. It seems that we've spent the last decade plus fighting against deflation, the falling of wages and prices. And all of a sudden, we're faced with the highest inflation rate in 40 years. So what has changed?
1: Well, Doug, what I think has changed is that not only have we had a lot of money being thrown into the system, I mean, remember we had something similar back um, during Ben Bernanke's tenure that money was thrown at the system, and many people worried that it was going to be like the Weimar Republic of Germany in the 1920s, where people would need a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread. Uh, But I remember saying to people, Well, you need the demand to follow the supply. Um, If Hostess doubled the output of Twinkies, but nobody ate them, would we still gain weight? So this time around, what has happened is that, yes, we did have the injection of cash. But at the same time, we then had supply constraints, which caused the uh, availability of goods to be purchased by this uh, onrush of cash to be limited and therefore prices started to rise. And add to that the uh, war in Ukraine and we had a curtailing of energy supplies, et cetera. So it seemed as if it was a cascading event that ended up in a perfect storm.
0: You know, that's an interesting point to note because I don't know that economists had supply constraints on their bingo card. If you look at QE, originally QE1, quantitative easing, as an accommodative policy to sort of stimulate growth, to create inflation, to fight deflation, uh, as you suggest, that needs to be met with demand. And what would happen is as we wound down QE1, you started to see the markets fall. and, And it was clear that we didn't have the global demand that was going to support the global economy. So we had to continue creating inflation to fight deflation. And then, of course, QE2, end of QE2, same thing happened. QE3 was open-ended. Let's just keep this going for as long as we need to to be sure that we get the demand we're looking for. And so I guess the irony in all of this is it wasn't demand, ultimately, uh, that led to this inflation, but it was actually the the constraints against supply. Is, Is that accurate?
1: Yes, I would say so. um, That because we had consumers who were experiencing cabin fever for a minimum of 18 months, some for 24 months, when things did start to loosen up, people said, I want to get out. I want to um, have experiences again, not just to buy products, which I can do from my computer, uh, but I want to actually go out and do things. And so You have an increase in demand for travel, uh, which requires fuel, et cetera, and you have an increase in demand for other goods and services, and all of that together has pushed up prices.
0: Right. So that kind of is a look down Main Street. Let's look down Wall Street for a second here. Uh, How do markets typically perform under these types of conditions, and which sectors fare better, and which sectors maybe are more vulnerable?
1: Well, the first thing that I think caused investors to worry about a recession uh, was the inverted yield curve that you mentioned in your preamble. Where uh, And so the concern was, uh-oh, whenever we do see an inverted yield curve, that historically has led to a recession uh, about 14 months down the road. So the, the question was recession possibility. We did have a peaking of the stock market on January 3rd, And we went through the typical uh, price decline of a pullback, a correction, and then on June 13th, your birthday, uh, we ended up falling into a new bear market because we declined by 20% or more. Well, there's the old saying that prices lead fundamentals. So usually what happens is the stock market will anticipate recessions by seven months, and so with prices declining, investors, rightfully so, start scratching their heads and saying, hmm, what is this price decline in the overall stock market telling us? And is it, um, in a sense, a, a head fake, uh, meaning that since the late 1940s, there have been 12 recessions and 12 bear markets, but only nine of them, in a sense, have been coordinated efforts, meaning that um, only nine of the bear markets were then associated with recessions. Um, But investors worry because recession-triggered bear markets have lasted longer, 15 months versus six months, and have fallen deeper, down 35% versus 28% when you compare it with uh, bear markets not associated with recessions.
0: That's interesting. So, in an, in a circumstance uh, like the one that we're seeing now, I think it's worth noting that if if inflation is surging because of the strength of an economy, so therefore a product of demand, and you can kind of uh, calibrate the financial system to bring it in for the so-called soft landing, it it, it seems like something that can be done in a way to moderate, but control the growth uh, that that will continue, you know, going forward. Whereas in this case, it is actually the the supply constraints leading to surging inflation. And at the same time, that's really hitting demand and slowing down the market. So what what is the likely outcome of the conundrum that we find ourselves in now? How do we get out of this mess?
1: Well, first off, I think that this mess is basically telling us that a recession is around the corner and that this is a recession-influenced bear market. I say that because if you go back to the late 1940s when the government started capturing inflation data, um, if you plot out on a year-over-year basis for headline CPI, there have been five times that we went above the 6.5% level. And in each of those five times, we not only fell into a bear market, but also endured a recession. Um, And usually, in the beginning of a rate-tightening program, Fed funds are already higher than the year-on-year change in CPI. This time around, things were vastly different. CPI was well above the Fed funds rate, Fed funds being between 0 and 1 quarter of 1% whereas the inflation number was around 8%. So we had a 750 basis point differential, whereas normally it is uh, in reverse uh, by about one half of 1%. So the Fed is very much behind the curve. And I think we'll have to raise rates more aggressively in order to corral inflation. And unfortunately, uh, we've only had one soft landing. That was 1994. And my feeling is that the Fed will not have the luxury of simply tapping the brakes to control a slowdown, but really has to slam on the brakes and unfortunately might throw us into a spin.
0: Wow. So yeah, this is not not only on top of the birthday present that I got yesterday, but this, this seems a little bit ominous. But you know, obviously, in any market, good or bad, there are opportunities to be had. I understand this is kind of a unique period in time because, you know, forget about the 14-year uh, uh, bull market that we've enjoyed really since uh, since 2008, uh, with, of course, the interruption for the COVID pandemic, but that was certainly a V-shaped uh, interlude. This is a 40-year bull market in bonds that also seems to be coming to an end at the same time. So, you know, how would you suggest advisors and investors kind of coming to this intersection of Wall Street and Main Street navigate this kind of a market? What what should we be doing here? And more more importantly, maybe what mistakes, what common mistakes should we try to avoid?
1: Well, first off, uh, I think investors have to realize that um, pullbacks, corrections, bear markets are normal within the uh, investing history. Uh, since World War II, we have had 61 pullbacks or declines of 5 to 10%. We've had 23 corrections, which are declines of 10 to 20% and now 14 bear markets. But the most amazing thing, and I typically like to call it uh, my virtual Valium table, is taking a look at stock market history to show how quickly we get back to breakeven following pullbacks, which is a month and a half, following corrections, which is four months. And then following bear markets, we end up being in a new bull market only three months after the bottom of the bear market. And we recoup everything we lost on average about 14 months after. So I basically tell investors, you know, if you are investing for retirement in a 401k or uh, IRA or whatever, You know, you just have to endure these things. And if you feel like you have to do something, well, then my thought would be rebalance every so often. But don't be your own worst enemy. Uh, Clint Eastwood once said in the movie uh, uh, Magnum Force, a man's got to know his limitations. And (laughs) I just find that I and many other investors can be overly emotional. Um, And so don't try to time the market, because if you do, you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you get out. You have to be correct when you get back in. So if anything, I would say use the stock market sell-off as a buying opportunity uh, in order to look for companies that are high quality in nature, offer a nice dividend yield that uh, have fallen on hard times, but um, can really pay you quite nicely, not only in the price recovery, but a nice dividend yield while you wait.
0: That was an incredible uh, impersonation. I I didn't realize that you had that in your bag of tricks. And I'll say that, um, you know, the markets, to quote uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator, um, investors these days are uh, cybernetic organisms. And so not only do we have our own intuition and our own ability to buy and sell stocks, sectors, assets as we choose, but we're aided by all of this uh, algorithmic um, support all of these computers that are that are reading things, you know trillions of calculations a second making decisions for us in a lot of our investment strategies that are done through ETFs or through passive investments with advisors. And I wonder, you know, are those machines going to kind of navigate these markets for us a little bit? and and do you think that they would favor growth stocks or value stocks? And do you think investors, in a, in, a, in a bear market, let's just call it that, because officially we're there. Uh, are we to be looking you know, to, to lean towards the growth stocks that can outrun these red hot inflation numbers? Or should we be looking at the value stocks that are kind of built for the long haul and the adversity that this market's going to, to represent?
1: Well, I like to say that the uh, the best answer to most financial questions is that depends. So when somebody says, how should I be positioning my portfolio for this bear market? Um, Basically, what I say is, okay, well, during bear markets, you have to remember that all sectors and at least uh, 99% of the industries within the US stock market tend to fall. Defensive sectors are called defensive because they simply lose less. So food, beverage, tobacco, healthcare, I like to say that when the going gets tough, the tough go eating, smoking, and drinking, and if they overdo it, they have to go to the doctor. So Staples Healthcare Utilities are typically among your better performers during bear markets because the demand for the products and services remains fairly static. Whereas what you call your, defend, uh, your cyclical areas, such as technology, uh, industrials, um, consumer discretionary; these are the ones that get hit the hardest uh, because they are discretionary in nature. People can, people and businesses can say, you know what? I'm not going to build a new factory. I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not going to renew my wardrobe. I'm not going to update my computer system, etc. So these are the groups that usually have the highest valuations or PE ratios at the peak of the market. So therefore, they're the ones that tend to fall most during recessions and bear markets. Um, coming out, however, meaning once we, the bear market is ended and then we start to um, move into a, a new bull market mode, um, basically, it's those companies that were priced to go out of business but did not are the ones that tend to surge the greatest. So it's usually the cyclical sectors that had been beaten up during the bear market that tend to take a leadership role Uh, in the year or two after that bear market has run its course.
0: That's very interesting. And and I think that's helpful because a lot of people uh, who have been investing over the last decade or so really haven't seen uh, these types of uh, circumstances in, in the investing landscape as we're seeing now. And so it's almost like we weren't prepared for any adversity at all, let alone the master class we're being taught from all of these different factors. Um, I, I want to throw an asset class in there that you didn't mention between the two, and that's energy, because I think this is a unique time for this asset class. And there's a number of factors, both in the US in terms of our policy towards it, but also overseas. Certainly the you know, the pandemic and post-pandemic dynamics, the the continued lockdowns in China, and then of course the war in in, in, in Ukraine. What do we think happens with energy this time? Because I'm reminded of a period of time uh, during the financial crisis about 14 years ago when energy was sort of leading that inflationary surge and oil, I believe, got over $130 a barrel. Six months later, it was around $30 a barrel. Now, the dynamics are different this time. What do you do with energy here and and how do you see this playing out over the next uh, six months to a year?
1: Well, energy is actually the fourth best performing sector during bear markets going back uh, to the 1990s, Um, as you said, because people still need to drive. They need to heat their home. They need to produce plastics and and so forth. So energy also, you know, from a correlation perspective, a sort of a stray cat, Uh, it marches to its own beat based on global demand. Um, So energy. has also had very high peaks and very low troughs because energy was a a perennial underperformer after the financial crisis. But now because of supply disruptions, because of the reopening of the globe, global trade, et cetera, um, energy is in demand once again. Um, We recently downgraded our outlook on energy mainly because, sort of like that old Milwaukee beer commercial tagline, It just doesn't get any better than this. Um, Energy had done exceptionally well, was really among the only areas to post either positive returns um, or even uh, to experience very limited declines. Um, So far this year, meaning from the uh, January 3rd peak of this um, prior bull market to last night. Energy is the only sector in positive territory up 45%, while the S&P is down 22%. And if you look to the top five industries, uh, they're all uh, energy-related. So uh, energy has been doing quite well over the last couple of years. Uh, If you are a short-term momentum trader, um, you probably want to stick with energy, until it basically falls out of favor, um, but you know our analysts look for growth opportunities over the coming 12 month period, and so right now uh, our belief is that it will probably be slight leadership or equal to the overall market 12 months from now.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's a, it, it. Does speak to the counterintuitive nature of investing that you know, bull markets are born on bad news and they die on good news, right? So uh, when you think about this moment in time for energy, uh, it's hard to fathom circumstances getting much better, especially uh, as the economy starts to turn both here and abroad. Uh, And so I, I think to your point, you know, maybe this is a good time to start evaluating you know, how much better can it really get than this? But of course, there's a case to be made that because of some external forces, this is not your normal uh, bull cycle in that uh, underlying commodity. But, you know, this kind of brings us to a point that I just wanted to address and get your thoughts. And then I'm going to try to extract, if possible, sort of a a semi-positive tone from you <laughs> coming out of this conversation. And, and I should say that the message overall, seems to be stay the course, you know, maybe recalibrate, maybe shift a little here and there. But certainly, you know, the the path is up. It's just nobody said it was going to be in a straight line. And we're going to have to navigate, um, you know, some some volatility in the months and possibly uh, years to come. The Fed has a dual mandate, uh, price stability and maximum sustainable employment. So let's call it fighting inflation in this case, or Uh, saving the economy. Right. So how can the Fed execute a soft landing if that's even possible? Do we feel that the Fed's intervention to aggressively step on the brakes and try to slow down inflation is going to crush the economy? And and will that then put us in a position where the Fed is going to have to back off sooner or even start to accommodate the economy again in the future, it's it's kind of a perplexing time. How do you see the Chairman Powell's journey playing out over the next six months to a year? How do you see the the impact of that on prices and on the economy, and ultimately, what gets us out of this?
1: Well, you're absolutely right that uh, that Fed Chair Powell is experiencing what Bernanke, what uh, Greenspan experienced, and what Greenspan tub uh, termed a conundrum. Uh, in that, yes, uh, the Fed needs to uh, corral inflation. And with inflation being so high relative to interest rates, they have to ramp up um, the magnitude and speed with which they raise interest rates in order to slow things down. Uh, Chances are, we're not going to uh, be able to engineer a soft landing, uh, but rather a recession. And the real question is, how deep will this recession be? Um, So Our our feeling is that the Fed will likely raise rates by 75 basis points um, and announce that after tomorrow's meeting. uh, They will at least look to 50 basis points, if not repeat the 75 basis points at the July and September meetings, and then obviously uh, wait to see what the data show um, as to what they'll do for the rest of 2022. If you were to be looking at Uh, the market anticipating um, the Fed, anticipating higher interest rates and therefore uh, lower intrinsic value for the stocks within the stock market, and then overlay that with seasonality, I would tend to say that maybe this ends up being a bear market that goes as low as 27%, minus 27%. Maybe it ends up uh, bottoming out uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter of this year, Uh, But then once investors feel as if the market has fully discounted uh, a recession and the rate increases that the Fed will have to engineer, um, I think the market will then start to look across the valley like it did during the pandemic and say, you know what, six to 12 months from now, things are going to be a lot better. So it's time to buy back in. And what's interesting is that seasonally, we are in what I call the sophomore slump, the second year of a president's term in office. The two worst quarters of the entire 16-quarter presidential cycle are the one we're in now and the one we're heading toward. But then the three best are the last quarter of this year and the first two quarters of next year. So it could end up playing fairly well into the seasonality calendar um, because the market will look to discount uh, the Fed's efforts to try to Get ahead of this inflation curve.
0: Incredible! I I didn't think I could get us there, but that certainly seems like a light at the end of the tunnel and very reassuring. And and I'll tell you, I've been navigating all the different avenues of financial media to make sure that I tried to get a comprehensive overview of where the market stands, where the economy is, uh, and how it's perceived by the professionals and this is the first time that i've that i've heard a clear uh, messaging you know towards what how do we look past the valley okay we get it we're here it's a mess i blame you you blame me and everybody can agree that you know we didn't want to be here and and, and ultimately this is where we wound up but let's look across the valley and let's say there are things that could go right you know, some of this needs to happen. Uh, recessions, you know, I've been told, although it doesn't feel this way, are healthy. And if you look a little further down the road and say, well, what does this economy look like coming out of a recession? You know, in this era of globalization and, and automation and efficiency across just about every industry. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. So I'm going to cling desperately to that, uh, like the the port in the storm, Sam. And I really appreciate Uh, You're taking the time to share your your infinite and encyclopedic wisdom with us, and hopefully we'll get to bring you on the show again in the near future to kind of, uh, you know, take the temperature, see where we are, and and continue to point us forward. But I really do appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and I look forward to a follow-up conversation. Excellent. Sam Stovall,
0: Chief Investment Strategist with CFRA Research.